Well, good morning, church. Y'all doing all right? Have a good weekend so far, hopefully. Uh, hopefully, it's good to see you. Uh, man, first service was awesome. God was working in that, so we're so glad you are here on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, just a disclaimer, because I'm throwing this out there. I told the first service this too. Um, if I'm talking really, really loud this morning, uh, it's because I have an ear infection in my left ear, so I cannot hear. So if I'm yelling, it's not because I'm a good old Southern preacher, fire and brimstone, or think you need more of Jesus and repentance, okay? I just can't hear myself. Um, and so like, I, you can ask Sloan and my boys this whole weekend. Uh, Thursday, I woke up, my ear was in some pain, got odd sub drops, they didn't do anything. So I went back yesterday and finally got on... Um, uh, antibiotic and some uh, different drops, but all weekend my kids have been like, "Dad, hey, da, 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 Dad, da, 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 and I can't hear them, which is kind of good in some regards, you know. But then they're like, "Dad, I've been calling your name for like ten minutes." I'm like, "Sorry, couldn't couldn't hear you." Um, but uh, so sorry if I'm yelling, uh, and it might be the shortest message ever because one, I'm in a lot of pain, and two, I'm on Cipro, and you know what that means. So uh, maybe you don't. I don't know. But uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 18. Luke 18. This morning, we start a brand new three-week series called Don't Pray This Way. And from its title, it kind of sounds blasphemous in some ways because you're thinking, don't pray this way. Like, is there like a wrong way to pray? Like, what, what are you saying? I mean, I've heard pray this way. I mean, Jesus said that when he taught his disciples, hey, pray like this. But what do you mean, don't pray this way? And our hope is that o over the course of the next three weeks, as we we look at what I would say are some bad prayers, um, at least habits of prayers uh, in Scripture uh, that we can look and relate and say, hey, what does this mean for my prayer life? Like when I'm talking to God, and if you think about it, prayer is really one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is this ability that because of the work of Jesus for us to have conversation with God the Father, for us to be in this intimate relationship in such a way that we can go directly to the creator of the universe and talk to him. And so um, we take that seriously. And as believers, if this is our connection with, with Christ and with God, uh, we need to kind of walk through that. It needs to be something that's a part of our everyday life. Well, we see in Luke 18 that Jesus is in the, really the height of his ministry. And one of the key things that Jesus did as he's teaching about the kingdom of God and what it means to follow God and all these different things, he uses these things called parables. And parables are really these short stories or short illustrations for Jesus to really kind of visually and relationally uh, teach a point or prove a point to the listeners. And I firmly believe that if you look throughout all the gospels, you see a bunch of different parables that show a lot of different meaning and points. And I don't think that Jesus just said these parables once. I really do think that this is kind of one of his things that as any good preacher probably has several good messages in his back pocket. Jesus probably taught these things often and to, to people. And so in Luke 18, we see Jesus is actually teaching a parable about prayer. And he starts off by really saying, hey, don't lose heart when you're praying. Like, hey, talk to God, don't give up. And then within the parable, he actually begins another parable, which is what we're going to look at this morning. And I couldn't think of a better way to start off our series and really our, our proper understanding of prayer than uh, verse nine in chapter 18. So read along with me uh, in your Bible, or it's also on the screens, or if you're following along in the app, 
Um, Luke writes this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So Luke, the writer here, um, he's setting it up to really to allow us, um, uh, or the writer Luke is setting it up for us, the readers, to understand who is Jesus talking to. And he says to those, Jesus is teaching this, this parable, to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked at others as contempt. Now the word contempt there is really this meaning to look down upon, to look at people um, kind of... Uh, a lower standard to kind of say, hey, we're going to elevate ourselves and those people over there. So Jesus is talking to those people. Now, if we're real honest and transparent this morning, we're all in this, in this boat. That at some point in our lives, we have experienced this, maybe even right now, but we go through seasons and it might just be an attitude of our heart where we consider ourselves more righteous than other people. We do this in a lot of different ways. And it might be where you see the neighbor next door and they just get on your last nerve and you look at them and you're like, God, that person's, you know, like they just get on my last nerve. Like the way they parent or the way they do this is this judgmental attitude. Or um, I'll confess, uh, Sloan knows this, we went to dinner on Friday night with some friends and I just couldn't help. Anybody like to people watch? Do y'all do that? Okay. I know it's really wrong and judgmental. I just like it. Okay. And so we're at dinner uh, on a double date with some friends. And there is this couple uh, next, uh, kind of next to us in a booth. And they looked miserable. Okay. Like no one is talking to each other. And uh, it's like the worst. It looks like the worst date possible. And so I, I assume they're married because they were older, but it just looked really boring. And even at one point, I try to say this to Sloan, but when you can't hear out of your ear and you think you're whispering, you're not. Come to find out, okay? And so Sloan's like, you know, and I tell her, I was trying to tell her, I look over and I, I, so the guy was eating and the lady, she, like physically on her face, was like physically disgusted by the way her husband or her boyfriend, whoever it was, her significant other was eating. Like literally she was like, <laughs> I, I could see it. He, he, he didn't see it, but I'm like, oh. And like in me, I'm like, thank God I'm not that couple, right? But there are so many times in our lives where we elevate ourselves intentionally and un unintentionally where we say we're righteous and these people aren't. And really, this is the pattern of sin. And really, it's, if you think about it, it's the epidemic of our culture where we elevate ourselves more than other people. And if you don't believe me, just think about the last couple of years. And I'm not trying to overly politicize this, but it comes to, well, you know, I can't tell you how many people. I cannot believe that that person voted this way. They can't even be a Christian and vote that way. Okay, elevating ourselves and putting other people down. Let's think about the events of this past week. You want to talk about prayer. We should be praying and continuing to pray for our people. But when we make comments, when I see people make comments, well, if they would just comply with the law, they wouldn't have gotten shot. All right. At some point, we're losing the value of human life in that. And we're elevating ourselves as we're the judge and jury of somebody's behavior and saying, if they would just act this way, this would be the result. We don't know that. 
We don't know that. And you know what's interesting? I'm not saying all the case, and it's fine. Send me hate email. I'm just sharing my opinion on this. Is that sometimes, a lot of times, the people that say if they would just comply, they wouldn't be shot, are the same people that, and you can have your difference of opinions, okay? Are the same people that say that are oftentimes the same people that don't comply when public says wear your mask. Think about that. And so like, who are you? You you could tell somebody else you're elevating yourself and saying, you need to comply. But for me, I don't need to comply. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's oxymoron. It's a contradiction in that. And so when things like that happen in the light of George Floyd trial going on and all the things that are happening in Minneapolis and and around our country and different things, we have to be really careful that as believers, life is life. And we value that. And it is not our responsibility to be the judge and jury of someone's actions and to say that was right and that was wrong. There's always someone that's right and someone, someone that's wrong. But our responsibility as believers is to extend the grace of God in those moments because it's been extended to us. And to see life and to say, hey, that's a really crummy situation. I, I hate that that happened. But our heart pours with grace and compassion because Scripture says that we should be the voice or speak up for the destitute. So however that looks, um, you know, as we encounter it through our lives, we need to speak up. It shouldn't be a, well, that person was a criminal and also they deserved it. It should be like a life is a life. That's really sad. And as we encounter people in our neighborhood, it shouldn't be like, oh, I can't believe they parent their kids that way. They're so this. It should be like, that's a life. And so as we're walking through, uh, through life, who are we to elevate ourselves to this degree and put other people down here? And that's what Jesus is saying. That's who he's speaking to. And we're going to see that there's a great example in this parable of, of who he's talking about. And he just lays that out from the get-go because it's really a matter um, of the heart. It's our responsibility. And so look at um, verse 10. Jesus begins this parable and he says, two men went up into the temple to pray. They went to church to pray. Um, One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. Now, I love this because Jesus is the, the, the best storyteller. He's picking two different extremes in this. Now, if you or um, have been studying the Bible, you know this, that the, a Pharisee was like the religious elite. They were the example. They knew all the scripture. They went to church, the temple all the time. They prayed all the time. They did everything. People looked at to them. They were kind of the police of the spiritual law um, in the Jewish culture. People looked at them and said, hey, they're close with God. And so they looked to him. So Jesus uses this example. Then he says, on the other side, you have a tax collector. Now the tax collector was like the scum of the culture. And here's why. The the tax collectors were employed by the government to tax the people, which they didn't like. I mean, do you like the IRS? (laughs) No, unless you get a stimulus check. You're like, thank you, can I have another, okay? Maybe not, I don't know. But you see that they, they don't like the tax collectors. But then on top of that, when you're a tax collector to make your own money, if the Roman government said this person owes $50, you're like, hey, I, I need to feed my family. So I'm gonna charge them 75 and I'm gonna pocket 25 and I'll give 50 to the government. And they looked at, they were looked at as scum and traitors. I mean, Matthew, the disciple Matthew was a tax collector. And so you look at this and Jesus says, okay, there's these two people. Kind of, It kind of sounds like, 
like a cheesy joke, right? Two people walk to church, okay? Or walk into a bar, however that goes. But you have a Pharisee over here and you have a tax collector. And this is where it's really gonna get good because Jesus in this illustration is going to point out really the heart, purpose, and um, how we should be praying and talking to God, how we should approach God in this. All right, so let's continue verse 11. Jesus says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this, or prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this is a crazy story. And before we kind of get into this, I want you to think about this with me. We really, when it comes to prayer, we, everyone really has a concept of prayer. That no one's really a stranger of it. I mean, for many of us, when we see a friend or an employee or family member um, hurt themselves, go to the hospital or lose a loved one, what do we say? I'll pray for you, right? <laughs> That's just naturally what we say. I'll pray for you. And if we're really honest, the majority of the time, we just say it and we really don't pray it. We just say, hey, I'll pray for you. We have that concept of prayer. When something tragic happens in our country, the president, vice president, um, government officials, they get onto the news, they have a news conference, and they say, we need to pray for our country. Or you need to pray for the victims' families or whatever the case may be. You need to pray for them. Maybe you grew up Catholic. And you know the Lord's prayer. You just know it. That's just what you did. I played football growing up. And I just remember getting in the huddle, you know, before a game or in the locker room, we would recite the Lord's prayer. Did you ever do that? And then I always thought it was interesting uh, because we would say the Lord's prayer. Amen. And then the coach would be like, let's go out there. and bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> You know, I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. We just prayed, now you're cussing, whatever, all right? But to think about this, we have this concept. Of, I mean, if I was to start reciting the Lord's Prayer, many people could just finish it off. And they don't, maybe they, they most of them, you know, maybe stop going to church, or they have a concept of church or whatever, but we have this idea of prayer. The reality is though, are we truly, um, do we truly have a prayer life in such a way that we're utilizing it and um, it's a habit in our lives that we can be intimate with God? Or is it more of just kind of what I would call a Hail Mary type prayer life where we just pray when we need something, want something. It's kind of like, hey God, I need help with this, 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 and this. Or, hey God, I'm about to do this, this is it. Or is it just the blessing? You know, I always, uh, every time I think about the blessing, I always think of Christmas vacation. Surely you've seen that, right? And it's like, hey, will you say the blessing? And they're like, 
what? And he's like, die blasting. <laughs> and then, you know, and they're like, I pledge allegiance to the flag. I'm like, that is awesome, right? That's how I feel right now. I can't hear. So, but you think about it, and uh, are we really utilizing this incredible gift that God has given us through Jesus to communicate with the creator of the universe? Is our prayer life really important? Or is it just kind of this, this, and this, or that, whatever? And almost as if our prayer life boils down to like a honey-do list for God. It's like, here, God, here's this honey-do list. I need you to do this, 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 and this for me. And if you can do it by Friday, it, it would be awesome, all right? Now, if you could do four out of five, it'd be great too. But I really need all these things done right here. And so we approach it that way. And instead um, of this intimacy, and I really do think that this, Jesus is teaching this parable, really showing a few different things that I just want to highlight this morning in our prayer life that we can walk away from. One that we see is our position or the position of prayer. Now, if you look at the, the, the comparison of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus says that the Pharisee is standing by himself where the tax collector is standing far off. And you might say, okay, what's the difference in that? Here's the difference. And hopefully it's probably a horrible analogy, but it's all I can come up with. The Pharisee is standing by himself. He's standing alone by himself. He is pretty much over here saying, okay, look at me, God. I'm not like all of them over there. I'm standing over here because I'm just different. I'm just a little bit better, probably a lot better than those over there. So I need to stand over here so you can see me, you can hear me. I'm in the spotlight. And a lot of, and a lot of the ways, I kind of, this is a horrible analogy, but I think about this as like um, the person who has a really, really nice car. And if you have a nice car, great, Okay whatever. I'm, I'm not saying Jesus is against that, but you, like when you go to the Publix, you park like way out in the distance. Cause you don't want anybody to scratch your car. And you a lot of times double park that, that type of car, you know, uh, if you do that, that's fine. I'm not judging you. I'm just using this as an illustration. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like, I'm going to stand over here because I'm a, just, I have something a little bit nicer to offer over here. And so I'm going to be over here, God, this is the Pharisee. Now, the difference is the tax collector, while it does say he's standing far off, it's more of a position of I'm not worthy to come into your presence. It's not an arrogant, uh, arrogant like, hey, I'm over here, see me, and I'm different than everybody. It's just this, this position that comes to our Father in prayer to say, I'm not worthy to come into your presence. I'm just not really sure if I'm able to, to do that because you're holy and I'm not. You're perfect and I'm a failure. You, you, you know everything, you created everything and I'm just trying to make it through life. I've have a, I have a lot of sin and I just, I don't know if I can come into your presence. You see the difference? Does that make sense? And so in this position, our position as believers should not be like the Pharisee that says, hey, I'm over here. It should be one that approaches God and says, this is my position. You, I need to be fully dependent on you. And really, that's what prayer is. That prayer should be a reflection of a dependent heart on Christ and not ourselves. It is this transfer of, hey, I'm not worthy. And this transfer of thinking highly of ourselves and instead thinking highly of God. 
to come into his presence and to say, I don't have what it takes. I can't do it on my own. And my position is to come before you. I'm not worthy and I need you. That's how our prayer lives should be. It should be coming to him, not as a, hey, let me just kind of throw all these things out at you, God. But let me throw this uh, at you because I'm coming and I'm just unworthy of you. And so I'm coming before you in this. And so that is our position. The second thing you see is a posture that there's this certain posture between the Pharisee and the tax collector. The, the Pharisee, he's standing up, right? He's standing up. And while the tax collector is also standing up, Jesus says he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven um, and it says that he would just beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So you have the Pharisee that's over here standing alone, really with this attitude and this posture of, here I am, God. Do you see me? I fast twice a week. I give and tithe on everything that I get. So here I am. I'm standing looking at you. And while the tax collector is also standing, it says that he cannot even lift his head. His head is bowed. And all he can do is beat his chest and say, have mercy on me. It's a different posture, isn't it? That G, um, the, the tax collector is approaching God once again in this humble state to say, I don't have what it takes. And he's coming. And, and with his head, his head bowed, saying, I can't even look at you because I'm just I'm worshiping you. This is act of humility and surrender. And, and really, it's recognizing the authority of God. It is in this prayer that the Pharisee doesn't recognize that. It says, here I am. I'm on the same playing field as you, God. And the tax collector is saying, I, I'm not on the same playing field. I'm coming before you with my head bowed. Now think about this. In this past week, um, you know, Philip died in England. And I just kind of think about this. When you think of royalty, we don't do this here. But in England, when you see the king or the queen, you know, you curtsy or you bow as an act of really respect and to say, hey, I'm coming before you. I, really, it started as I'm not worthy. You're the king. Now, with Jesus and with God, our father, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of Lord, lords. And so when we come before him in prayer, that should be our posture. It should be one that we approach God in a, hey, I'm standing far off because I don't deserve you and I'm coming in reverence and recognizing your authority as king with my head bowed saying, I need you. I'm a nobody. I need you, God. I'm not gonna stand over here and be like, here I am. I showed up now. You know, it's prime time. I'm coming before you saying, I don't have what it takes and I need you. And you, so you see this, this difference of posture between the Pharisee and the tax collector, tax collector. And then finally, you see their prayer, the actual words that are coming out really out of their heart where the tax collector, I'm sorry, the Pharisee is saying, God, thank you so much that I'm not like that person, that person, that person, and even this person, the tax collector. Now, I don't think, at least I hope not, I don't think any of us in this room go to God and say, God, I'm so glad you did not make me like my neighbor <laughs> or like that person at work. But you know, we thought it. 
We've had an idea in our mind or in our hearts that says, man, it could be a lot worse. At least, at least I'm up here and that person's down there. And we might not say it in our prayers, but we're thinking it. And God knows what's on our hearts and what's in our minds. And so you see that his prayer is really exalting himself. He's putting down other people and exalting himself. Thank God you did not make me like that person, that person, and that person. But, but I fast and I give. Look at me, God, right? What, what a prayer. Could you imagine going to God in prayer and saying, God, thank you for me. <laughs> like, I'm just so awesome. But I mean, you know that, God. <laughs> I'm awesome. And I'm so awesome and I'm so thankful you didn't make me like those losers over there. And while we're not saying that, oftentimes that's the condition of our heart. And then you see the tax collector. And his prayer is really one of confession. And instead of exalting himself, he exalts God. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's confessing his weakness and his need for God in that moment. And so his prayer is not one that exalts himself and says, hey, look at me and all these good things. And that's really the Pharisee is determining his spiritual condition on his good deeds. But yet the tax collector doesn't have any of that fluff and just recognizes I'm a sinner, I'm a mess, and my need for you, please have mercy on me. And so after this, Jesus says, I tell you, the man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so really the bottom line of this, if you think about it, is that our prayer life should be one that exalts God and not ourselves. That it shouldn't be all about us. I mean, God is not this... Uh, we don't need to treat God like this genie in a bottle. And I'm not talking about Christina, Christina Aguilera song, okay? But I'm saying, we don't just come to him and say, I need you to do this, this, and this, and let it, be, let it happen and do your magic. That sure, we need to. Scripture even says that we need to make our request known to God. Sure, we need to go to God and say, God, can you help me in this moment? I mean, I'm really struggling with this. Or I need your help in this moment. Uh, I'm going through this thing. Could you help me find a job? Can you help my marriage? Can you help me lead my kids? That's fine. Those things are good. But I think one of the determining factors of our prayer life is, are you praying more about other people's sin than your own sin? Do you, do you go to God more often with saying, God, I, I just pray for my neighbor. She's just a nosy neighbor. She just doesn't know how to mind her business and she needs you. Are you praying that way or is it more of a help me in my sin? And I know it sounds selfish, but in a way, are we recognizing our sin and going to God in an act of submission saying, I need Jesus, I need you, I need forgiveness just like anybody else. It's okay to pray for other people's struggles, but what's the heart behind it? Another question to ask um, yourself is, um, have you prayed or when was the last time you've prayed for someone who just gets on your last nerve? Maybe they wronged you. Maybe they did something that just, you just cannot get over. It, it really hurt. It was really painful. It's amazing to me when you begin to pray for people who, you know, scripture says that we need to love and pray for our enemies. 
But when you start praying for those people, it's amazing how God softens our hearts for those people and how we can begin to, I'm not saying not have boundaries and parameters, but to begin to say, you know what? I see them in the eyes of Jesus now. They need grace just as much as I do. And there's this difference of, of that. Or here's another great question. To exalt God and not yourself, when's the last time you really prayed for someone to come to know Jesus? And not in a, oh, they need Jesus, but in a, man, my heart is just broken. This person I work with, they're just, they need you, Jesus. And I know oftentimes when I do that, you know what, I'll pray. I'm like, God, give me an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And then God is so faithful and always gives that opportunity. And then you know what I, I do often? I'm a big chicken. Even as a pastor, I'm a big chicken. Like, I'll be like, hey, I need to pray. God, I really, we come into the, the life of my neighbor. And then I'm out there cutting the grass. And they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, all right. <laughs> you know, have you ever done that? We're like, God clearly puts an opportunity in front of you. And you're like, okay, I'm too scared. I'm too chicken in this. But our prayer life should be one that aligns our heart with God and says, hey, it's not just about me and my world. Sure, make your request known, but let's go in an act of submission, of position and posture and our prayers be one that exalt God over ourselves and can think of other people who need Jesus in that moment. And really, if you think about that, out of your prayer life comes the evidence that you are dependent or depend on Christ more than anything else that this world has to offer. That if you are really praying this way, and it's a part of your everyday life, then the evidence is in your life that you're depending on Jesus above anything else, that you are um, having this incredible quality of intimacy with Jesus and with our Father as you're talking to him, it pours out of your life. Have you ever met someone that you're just like, man, this have an incredible relationship with God. I guarantee you it's because of their prayer life. So many times, people that aren't walking with God, and they're like, I just don't get it. God's just not showing up. When's the last time you prayed? Uh, it's probably been a year. And it's so connected that as we're praying this way, and as we come to our, our Father and, and have this connection of intimacy, the evidence just pours out, and people see it, and they say, that person is dependent on Jesus. They might not recognize it at first, but they know something's different. And I hope and pray that, that that's our lives, that what if that we're recognized because of our prayer, uh, our prayer life and our intimacy with God, it just pours out. People just know we're close to God. And because we're praying, because we're on our knees, we're going to God with everything, that people just see a difference in our lives. And they know that we are filled with the Spirit because of our relationship with Him. That the evidence is not what we think about this politician or this cultural event and all these different things that what's what's most important is our walk with God. And as that is ironed out, all those things, God will see, or people will see the evidence that God is working in our lives and that we're talking to him. And let me just say this. If, if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I just need some prayer. We take prayer seriously. I would love and be honored to pray with you and for you. You can get on here. We'd love to talk to you and just see how, how we can do that. If, if you need some prayer, you want to write down a prayer request in the connection card, the connect card and in, um, in the seat back in front of you, you can write down prayer requests there. I would love to follow up and to see how we can continue to pray through that. But don't let today go without just having 
that intimacy with God. And maybe even making a commitment to say, you know what, my prayer life has been horrendous and I need to, I need to start talking to God regularly. Let's close and worship together. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for being a God that through Jesus, we come right to your feet and have a conversation with you. We don't have to go um, through a priest or we don't have to recite some prayer that we can just come to you and talk. And God, forgive us where a lot of that talking is just all about ourselves and our needs. Say, I want this or I want that. Forgive us where we exalt ourselves instead of you. And so, Father, in this moment, as we sing this last song, as we maybe even say a prayer and talk to you, let us have a position where we say, we're not worthy, God. You are. Let us have a posture of just bowing before you as King of kings and Lord of lords to say, God, you are in control of all things. You are sovereign. It is your will, not mine. And God, let our prayer be one of confession and repentance and just say, God, use us. Use us. Mold us. Change us to be more like your son, Jesus. In your son's name. Amen. Let's stand and close and worship together.